tuning into Love and Citizenship. This is our 10th episode, the last episode this season. And while I will get to the acknowledgement towards the end of this episode, and I promise you there's a whole section for it, I do want to express my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you for listening to these episodes and helping us get this podcast this far. I'm recording this episode on the 17th of August, which is last night for anyone listening to this on day one. And while I recognize that is a bit bold, the day and the date is very significant for me. And it's significant because it has been a year since I left Dublin. It marks the start of my journey into that of a full-time creative. Exactly a year ago, in the middle of this pandemic, and I know how dramatic this is going to sound, I packed five years of my life into two bags and made a trip halfway across the world to India, my motherland. And it was a risk across the board, physically, because, well, unvaccinated world at the time and rising cases in India and just just a long ass journey in the middle of all this uncertainty. It was an emotional gamble as well, because to be living in a family home I hadn't really called home since I was 13, I was worried because there were all these epiphanies and realizations that I'd had in my time away that I realized would soon be tested. But perhaps more pertinent to this episode, it was also a creative leap of faith for me. An entire year away to embrace my creativity in the hopes of building a routine, a platform that I could sustain for the years after. And while yes, I was quite excited by the prospect of having an entire year to just create, for much of my life before that, I hadn't really committed as significantly to writing. And in the times that I had, I'd always second guess whether I could even call myself a creative. You see, performing at open mic nights, as interesting and amazing as they were to build my confidence as a creative, was one thing. Writing, well, I used to write the odd poem or a short essay, but that that didn't really compare or could be tested against that of being a creative day in, day out, or writing on the regular. It was going to be an entirely different show. I should also note that I've always felt an amount of imposter syndrome. And that was dialed to 100 because I really didn't have the credentials that you would associate with someone doing the things that I now do. So academically, the closest I ever came to writing was, well, writing decent essays for a history and politics major. And that was that. I didn't have a MFA or a BA or a BA in English. Heck, no certificates either. I was, I wasn't qualified. And the only things I ever wrote, or at the time I was only writing a story that only my friends read. And so months before my departure, all this imposter syndrome knocking about, still in lockdown, this is June, the lovely James Ireland, who you'll remember from our launch lineup of episodes, uh, sent me a message. It was a text message on WhatsApp and the message read something on the lines of, hey mate, I hope the writing's going well, the deadline's next week, but I think you should send something in. And attached to that text was a link. It was an open call for submissions from the Abbey Theatre which is Ireland's National Theatre. And that submission was for the series titled Dear Ireland Continues. It was a call for the people on the island to send a 500 word letter that captured their experience of Ireland, but also their hope for it. A letter to the nation that would start with the words, Dear Ireland. Depending on who you are, 500 words can either seem great or too little. And as somebody who was used to writing 5,000 to 3,000 word essays, 500 words did not cut it for me. And the bigger question was, could I? 
And would it even be any good? And more importantly, what, what would I even say? And so the night before the deadline, and yes, there is a theme of me doing things right before the day they're due, I sat down with a pen and paper, and yes, an actual pen and paper, because I wanted to embrace the sentiment of this being a real letter to the nation. And I started writing. After I was finished, I typed it all up and looked at the word count. 498 words. Pretty close. So I took a second read. I felt content with my content and I sent it away. And this was my letter. Dear Ireland, as I sit on the Lewis with my mask on looking at the empty seats and the arrangement around me, I'm taken back to the countless tram journeys before. COVID-19 has pushed people to maintain a strict distance from each other, yet I can't help but think that as a person of colour, I've often been subjected to social distancing before this. I remember the first journey I ever took on the tram. A fresh face, bubbling with that undergraduate excitement. As I entered the Lewis, there was but one empty seat and I approached it. A bag was placed on it by its owner. A clear, unmistakable sign of, not here mate. As I walked back to the centre of the Lewis, the stranger I chose to stand next to shuffled uncomfortably, holding their bag a bit tighter. It wasn't the first time that people I'd never met had responded to me this way, but it was my first in Ireland. When you're a minority, your experiences become your new normal. A few weeks before we were even aware of the chaos that the virus would wreck in our collective lives, I took a somewhat empty Lewis from Dawson on a late evening. I found a comfortable spot by the window and placed my bag on the seat next to me. By the time we got to Hawcourt, more passengers were shuffling in and I decided to make space for them. Not one person sat next to me. I looked around to see if there were other empty seats and there were none. Curious, but more space for me then. As I got off at Beechwood, I looked back and saw that my seat and the one next to it had now been occupied. Coincidence? Sure. But when there is a thematic consistency to your coincidental observations, they take a new and uncomfortable meaning. I have called this Isle of Ours home and have loved my time here. For all my experiences with distance, I've also been met with warmth twice over. When I see young kids of colour, it fills me with hope. Their future might be different. It has to be. As I look around the Lewis, my eyes meet with the strangers. I nod and smile. For a brief second I wonder what their response would be. The stranger smiles back. Those 500 words captured the essence of my experience. My hurt, my reality, but also my love and my hope for this wonderful, wonderful place that I'd been so lucky to call home for so many years of my life. June turned to July, and I'd all but forgotten about that letter. I wasn't holding out hope. If anything, I had thought of it as a creative exercise, and I just resigned myself into accepting that the chances of me being one of the 20 writers out of the thousands of submissions that would come in, well, uh, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. It was also around this time that I'd started making preparations to leave and was tirelessly working on the drafts of part three and four of Finding Love and Citizenship. So late July, an email came in and that email was from the Abbey Theatre. I didn't check it immediately. I was at work and I already knew what the email was going to be. 
I'd had terrible luck up until that point. So lunch happened and out of sheer curiosity, I was like, okay, let's, let's read this rejection email. And so I checked it and uh, the email started with, uh, dear Pranav, many submissions came in. Yes, yes, let's get to the rejection. We loved your letter and are delighted. Wait, what? I couldn't believe it. Usually, usually, and this is where my terrible luck comes in. Up until this point, I was only graced with, we're really disappointed to let you know kind of emails or letters, whether that was from job applications, colleges, uh, embassies I was hoping to leave through. All of those were rejections, but heck, they weren't disappointed. They actually, actually liked my letter. It, it sounds really <laughs> weird to me to even say it now because it sounds so unbelievable. And it's already happened, but my, my letter was going to be read on the stage of the Abbey Theatre, a stage that I'd seen performances at and wondered what it would feel like to have something of my own read or performed there someday. I was one of 20. Fuck the excitement of it. And it, it, it excites me when I think about it now, because at the cusp of my own creative journey, and amidst all this self-doubting, I'd received my version of a hug, a cosmic level hug. You know that scene in Avengers Endgame where Thor reaches out for his hammer and chimes with tears in his eyes when it returns of, I'm worthy. That's what it felt like for me. A reassurance that I wasn't wrong to take the risks that I was. For days after, and this isn't to say I was cured of my imposter syndrome, I genuinely thought for days after that Maybe it was all a fluke or maybe another email is going to come in as like, oh, sorry, Pran, you are actually one of the other people. You're not one of the 20. But obviously that wasn't the case, but it still, it still felt a bit too surreal for it to be happening. And there were posts leading up to it. There was a lot of hype around it and it was exciting. Don't get me wrong. Like I had a fucking photo shoot in the middle of Dublin because why the fuck not? And yes, that was all very exciting. And yes, a personal celebrity moment for me. That photo shoot and that day remains one of my fondest memories out of all of that worldwide episode. And I'll tell you why. Because Mark, the photographer, um, a lovely, lovely man, uh, we, we started a conversation around creativity. I asked him about his own journey, how he discovered his passion for the arts, photography, and just his life. And he asked me about my experiences, my writing, my experiences as a person of color. And uh, I remember him asking what my plans were because I told him I was leaving. And uh, I don't remember what I said. Well, not exactly, but I remember telling him about the writer project, which was in its very early days at the time. And I think I, I think I brushed it off by saying something on the lines of, yeah, but you know, it's just a little hustle. Who knows? Might not even be something. And his reply to it is, just one of those moments that are etched in my mind. Because I was in the middle of O'Connell Street, across the GPO, which is the post office, and he was behind his camera and he looked up at me from his camera and said, you know, I read your letter. And I said, really, what, what did you think? And he replied, hard stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what, what more could I say? And he returned to his camera, maybe changed a few settings and then looked back at me. And I thought that was the end of the conversation, but he changed his settings and he looked back at me and he said, this writing project of yours, and I don't blame him for not remembering the name. It's a very, it's a mouthful. Let's just call it that. But he continued and he said, you've got to keep at it, man. If you truly feel that you found your passion, then there is no reason good enough to get you to stop. And those are some powerful, powerful words. 
and he looked down at his camera. He, I remember him adjusting his seconds again uh, or settings again. And the Lewis just whisked behind us. A few photos were clicked. Wasn't happy with the shot. So we just stayed put and he adjusted a few settings, asked me to move a bit forward. And he looked back at me from the camera and he said, it will be scary. It may seem futile on some days, but you've got to block the bullshit and persevere. And holy shit, I cannot, I cannot tell you this significance or the importance of those words in that moment. And his words came at the right time in my life. And that conversation, those words, that entire day of the photo shoot, it, it, it was, it was incredible. And it was a fortnight away from leaving. And I'm not going to say it immediately cured me of all self-doubting. No, but it, it set me down the path. It helped me start the journey of closing this self-doubting part of me and enabling me to embrace the part of me that just wanted to create, to write, do these weird creative things that I wanted to. And as good as external validation can feel, it's a slippery slope because I don't think I need the credentials or I've ever needed the credentials or the rite of passage, whatever version, the, the creative version of it can be to create. Like there's no license to create and I shouldn't need it. Me wanting to write, tell stories, help others tell their stories, all of that is legit and independent and is valid just because I want to do it. I wasn't worthy to be a writer or creative because of the Abbey selection. Heck, it's so incredible. And I'm truly humbled to this day. And I genuinely think that's where I peaked. But I wasn't a writer because of that selection. I actually always had been. Right from those first moments that I may have picked up a pen and paper and scribbled some weird creative thought that five or six year olds do. Or, and this, this is the one that I definitely remember, from those very early days of orchestrating those grand battles between all my toys, Optimus and Megatron on the rug of my mother's room. I have always been a creative and so have you. If you're listening to this, if you're a creative, if you're thinking about being a creative, if you're second guessing yourself, second guessing your creativity, I want you to know that you, and this applies to literally everything else, but also because of the conversation, this, I want you to know that you and only you get to define who you are. The process won't be easy. Nothing good ever is. Heck, it hasn't been for me. But if this past year, working with creatives, writing my own story, sharing the lived experiences and stories of others has taught me anything. One, that there's a lot of happiness in that process. Really is. I'm the happiest I've ever been. But also, there's stories within each of us that are, honest to God, so unique and beautiful that all that stands between them being within us and out there in the world is belief. Belief that we have stories worth sharing. They could be fictional stories, mind-bending, time-warping grand sagas or Black Mirror-esque dark anthologies or a rom-com or a romance novel or an absolute heartbreak of a tearjerker. Or they could be real stories, stories about personal struggle, loss of grand continent-spanning adventures filled with excitement or the hard, some days feel like impossible journeys that we must make within. 
as a listener, I do not want you to go through your years much like I did believing that your stories aren't enough. They are. You are. And heck, it will be terrifying. Just like Mark said, it will be scary. Some days it may feel futile. But you've got to silence the bullshit and persevere. And I've been doing this podcast for the last six months, from recording to editing to all of it. And I've been asked, why do I do this? Why have I been doing this? Why do I persevere? Why do I create, write, all of it? Because the alternative is just not good enough. I much rather write, create, (laughs) bring all these ideas to life and completely and embarrassingly fall face first than live a life of comfort that is unfulfilled. Because comfort is the death of creativity. I persevere because I don't know how not to. And I feel incredibly lucky that I've found my passion. And that's all I'll ever ask you to do. Find your passion, passions. Find your reasons for doing the things you do. And when that self-doubt creeps in, because trust me, it will, silence that bullshit. Then, persevere. Welcome back from the break. Um, This is the part of the conversation or the part of the episode where I'm going to go on a limb and say it's perhaps the most unstructured part of the entire season. And there's a couple of things that I want to run through, but I think future plans might be the most pertinent one because um, if you've listened to the last two episodes or my intros to the guest, or you follow the newsletter, or you follow me on social media, you might have seen me hint at a second season. And so allow me to get it out of the way. There is, there is a second season. But uh, these past few months have been incredible. They really, really have been. And they've been hectic. I'm not going to get that out and say, no, no, these have been a breeze. No, they've been super hectic, but I've absolutely loved it. I have loved the conversation. I feel incredibly privileged to be able to engage with these incredible humans in some of the most vulnerable conversations that I've had. And they really have. They really have carried me through the pandemic. Heck, I recorded two episodes in the middle of me having corona and my entire family. So it's just like it literally has gotten me through the pandemic. But the conversations, the process, the editing, the recording of it all, its it's been hectic. But theres it's been an incredible journey. I'm, I'm always at a loss of words to describe what it's been like. But yes, it, it, it has been an incredible journey. And there's so much that I have learned along the way. There's so much I've learned in terms of how to be a good host, how to better prepare your guest, AV testing, because I am also the editor of this podcast, and uh, how to, if you can hear now, the how to silence the snoring dog in the background. But there's, there's so much that I've learned along the way, and there's, there's improvements that I would want to make if I could do it again. So obviously, I have the privilege of being the one to decide whether I do this or not. So here's the thing. I've loved this and I want more of it. So we're doing a second season. I have a rough idea of when that might be out. It's still in pre-production. It won't be out for a while. 
and it's very early days, but it's it's in the works. I have a sense of the kind of conversations I would want to have. And editing all of it, I'm I'm reminded of the real mission statement of what I had in mind when I started the writer project, which is there are stories within each of us, something we talked about before the break. And I could be here talking about exactly what that is, but what it really boils down to is over the next couple of months, I am going to harass everybody who follows me on social media by putting up posts, by putting up forms, essentially opening this podcast as a platform to everyone, literally everyone, because I genuinely believe we all have stories worth telling. Now, I am running on a limit. It's not going to be 10 episodes, but I've envisioned that I have the capacity to host and edit 25 episodes, and that's my max ceiling. But this is where you come in. If at any point in listening to this podcast, you feel like you have a story that you'd like to talk about, or you feel brave enough, or you want to embrace your discomfort and engage in vulnerable conversations, I will, and I mean this in the truest sense of it all, I will build an entire episode around your experiences. Because I love, I love engaging in vulnerability with people. Having conversations about the things that have led you to the person you are is just, my God, that's just, that's my energy drink. That's my Red Bull. I love it. People love coffee. That's the shit that gets me out of bed. Heck, I get to tell these stories. And I get to sit down and engage with this fucking amazing human being and hear their stories. It's It's been a personal highlight of my life and I want to do more of that. So I'm going to put out forms, posts, all of it starting mid-September and I really, really look forward to it. So that's how we're embracing second season. Not to say there won't be guests that I want to have on as well or I had in mind or we couldn't have this season. So that'll be there as well. But what I will say is that I'm embracing more of this vulnerability, more of the discomfort around, but in terms of production, It'll be out when it's ready because much like I approach this season, I want to make sure that I put as much care and attention, if not more, to every episode in season two that I did this time around. So it'll be out when it's ready and I will obviously update all social medias, be that my own or the writer project and any updates that may come around. And that brings me to what I'm doing next, which is focusing on a short story. I think now is the right time to write this story because it's a story about four friends reconnecting 10 years apart. And there's so much positivity going in the story. And I wrote a first draft. There's significant changes in the story, but that's what I will be working on over the next while. And that will also be out when it's ready. So that has me really excited. There's little tinkering and updates, but this could just end. This is at the risk of turning into a writer project updates section of the podcast. So I'll, I'll save that for the newsletter. But before we wrap up, there's a couple of people. There's a couple of groups of people that I would like to thank. And I don't say this lightly. This podcast would not have existed if not for these people. So to start with my folks, my parents, mom and dad for uh, bearing through me recording episodes at three and four in the morning for being okay with their son breaking out into loud, loud laughter in the middle of the night or the middle of the morning and just being okay with it. 
for giving me the space, the Wi-Fi, the electricity. No, um, no, that's just that's just me being a dummy. But honestly, for always, always encouraging my creativity, because when most parents would want, and I come from a part of the world where most parents would want their kids to be doctors, engineers, civil servants, more settled. All my parents ever expected of me was that I be happy. And I cannot tell you how incredibly privileged that is and how lucky I have been. And a big shout out to my mum for helping me. <laughs> well, she, she sat through all my brainstorms for this podcast, but also listening to all these episodes and being okay with the content of the conversations. There, it's, it's never an easy thing to hear for a parent, well, about their son's sex life, but also about how their relationship or the way they raised me had affected me in ways. And it's truly, truly incredible the way she supported me through it all. And I know you're listening to this, mom. So I just want to say I love you. And I appreciate you listening to all these episodes on the day they come out. I also want to thank my co-host or co-hosts for the night, my three dogs. Well, Maggie's the actual co-host and her ears just perked up when I took her name. So it wouldn't be a podcast like this without her snoring. And Luna has now joined in the concerto here. But um, really, really, I can't think of this podcast without thinking of the dogs and Maggie in particular. So thank you to the three of you. And a big thank you to all my friends. There's so many of you to name, but there's a couple of special mentions. Abe, Seher, Carolina, Umung, Amla, Roshin, Jatin, Rachel, Michael, Claire, Kate, Sinead, Dhruv and Akshita for being patient with my constant blabber about this podcast for months on end, but also for being the guinea pigs for my editing tests, for all your feedback and suggestions, but more importantly, for just support and encouragement throughout. I know I'm a better person for the friendship but this podcast is definitely also better for all your feedback and help so thank you and uh, to to never forget the heart the beating beating fucking heart of this podcast i would be nowhere this podcast would not exist if not for these incredible humans my guests i love each and every one of you because you took a chance on a very amateur host pitching a podcast that had zero things to show for itself, not even a cover when I pitched this to you guys, but just these brilliant ideas of what we could build together as an episode. And you embraced it. You embraced it with such vulnerability. And I am, I am indebted. I, I am indebted to you for life, for helping me realize this and for helping me build a foundation of what this podcast could be. So a big Massive fucking thank you to David, James, Ella, the other David, Aisha, Liz, Donica, and Fernando. I love each and every one of you. And thank you. Thank you so much. This is it for season one. It's, a, it's an incredible moment for me because I really, for, for months, I never really thought we'd get here, but here we are. And I'll have so many more updates about future projects on my personal Instagram, which I'll have linked below, but also the Writer Projects Instagram, which will also be linked below. Before we leave, a final thank you to you, the listener. In this day and age, time is really precious and it means the world to me 
that you take the time out to listen to these episodes, share them in your circles and for all your support. I have truly, truly loved, loved the, the messages that you guys send my way and I cannot, cannot wait to show you what we have in store for season two. So thank you again and I will see you in the next season. Take it easy. Thank you.